Hey everyone, Christy McClellan here, and I want to invite you to a brand new event from Lifeway Women called Feast. At this event, you'll be invited to feast on God's Word by studying the Bible in its historical, cultural context. We're going to get to know the Bible in its world, in its native habitat, text, and context. You'll experience teaching, worship led by my 25-year friend, Laura Cooksey, and fellowship with other women around the world. Come and learn with me that the living God is better than we ever knew. Visit LifeWay.com slash Feast to learn more. This is the Marked Podcast from LifeWay Women. We're your hosts, Mary Margaret West and Elizabeth Heineman. Each episode, we'll talk about what God's doing, how he has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you joined us today. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Podcast. We are so glad to be back with you guys. Yes, welcome. Um, we are super pumped about our guest today. She is one of our favorite women around here at Lifeway Women. Yes. And, um, and we're going to bring to you today Jen Wilkin. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, you have been on our list of people that yes. we need to have on the podcast for some time now. We just recently <laughs> realized we had not had you on yet. I and know. We were like, what are we doing? I know. We need to make this happen. So here we are today making it happen. Perfect. Awesome. Well, would you mind for those who are not familiar with you or even for those who are, um, would you mind just um, telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I am the director of classes and curriculum at the Village Church in Flower Mound, Texas, and I um, teach the women's Bible study here, uh, and I'm also a Lifeway Women author. I've got several studies through you guys and um, have written some books, too. I love teaching the Bible. Awesome. We And we love that you love teaching the Bible, honestly. Yes. <laughs> so, well, tell us a little bit about your family, too. Oh, right. My family. <laughs> Those people. Yeah, I've been married to Jeff for um, almost 26 years, which mm. is kind of hard to believe. And we have um, four grown children, Matt, Mary Kate, Claire, and Calvin. And three of them are down at Texas A&M and one just graduated. Actually, Mary Kate is getting ready to, to graduate um, in just a little bit. So, yeah, life's moving fast. I bet. That's awesome. Fine. I'm also a proud pug owner. If anybody out yes. there needed that piece of information, mm-hmm. if you we follow all love Jen, Peggy, yes, on Instagram, we know about the pug. Yeah, so. yeah, and her maybe slightly lesser known sister, Tess. That's right, Tess, yeah. who's not really camera ready anymore <laughs> due to age. Oh dear. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, well, one thing, let's just dive right in. And, you know, one thing is that we know about you is that you talk a lot about equipping other women. And I love how in a real tangible way, y- y'all do that through the village church, you know, like you said, through your job and your role there. Um, you know, but f- what does that look like for you personally, as you grow in your own walk with Christ, as you continue to be equipped? And then how has that changed or kind of stayed the same over the years, especially as you're as you have begun to teach more and um, kind of be more involved in that side of things, the kind of the back end of things? 
Oh, man. Well, I'm actually in a really sweet time of ministry now where I have colleagues who I can bounce ideas off of and test things with. And um, I haven't always had that. I've done various forms of ministry. I've done parachurch. Um, I've done just, you know, my living room. And uh, but being on the church staff now, again, I was years ago at my previous church in Houston, just affords me the opportunity to have really good conversations with um, JT and Kyle and um, Mason and Elizabeth who I work with. And I have loved that. Um, I've always had conversations with my husband. He's been my main um, thought partner in, mm. in most of the theological exercises that I've gone through. Uh, but it is really nice to have a diversity of voices too now who are helping to shape me uh, and to shape my thinking. That's awesome. Yeah. And I will just plug your podcast real quick because I feel like you invite all of us into the conversation um, with the podcast, which I love listening to because it's kind of like, it's what I imagine like life is like in the hallways of the village when you're like all um, talking about these theological issues and biblical issues. So I enjoy that. And I just oh, like to I'm plug so that bad. here. Yeah, it is, it is exactly. I mean, we have laughed so hard about how um, it has gotten a following because we thought it was when, when Kyle originally asked if we wanted to do it, JT and I were like, no, who would listen to that? Because it literally is just the conversations we were having with each other now captured on a podcast, but it has been so much fun. Well, it's definitely fun to listen to. And it's something that like we will be discussing something at work because I feel like our conversations may be somewhat similar to yours as far as like we're all with our Bibles standing around and be like, but can we say this in the Bible study? I don't know. (laughs) And so uh, it's just been fun because every once in a while, y'all will answer a question on your podcast that we had been discussing. And Mm. I'm like, guys, here's what they say over at the Village Church. (laughs) And so it's been fun to listen to that. Um. One thing we did want to ask you about, because I know that you recently talked about this a little bit at the TGC conference, um, the Gospel Coalition conference, um, but then also you have four grown children. So I know you probably get a lot of questions about how have you discipled your kids? Um, They all love Jesus. They love each other. They love you. So I know women want to know, how did you do that? What advice and tips and counsel and encouragement would you give other moms to stay the course in that? Yeah, well, I do always like to just make sure that everybody knows that there's not uh, causation is not correlation or however you say that, that um, you can't do all the right things and have outcomes guaranteed for you, but you should try to do the right things anyway, right? right. I mean, my, my, my feeling is I at least want to be able to stand before the Lord with as clean a conscience as possible with regard to parenting, but uh even um, excellent parents can have children who, you know, just go their own way for, mm-hmm. for whatever reasons. Um, in our case, we, um, I had grown up with a more um, rigid approach to um, discipleship from the standpoint that, you know, it was expected that um, uh, I would have a quiet time or um, expected that I would memorize scriptures or so on and so forth. Um, just a very structured uh, approach, whether that was coming through my local church or whether my mom was was implementing that. And I think that um, I just didn't want to do that. Um, you know how so much of parenting is either saying, man, my parents really did great with that, or I'm never doing that. My parents right. did that. I would never do that. And it wasn't like a strong rejection of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just that um, Jeff's and my parenting style is not, um, it, it's structured in some ways and then in others not. And so we had rules around um, things that we thought were good to have rules around. But with regard to that, we really wanted it to um, 
to be something that we modeled and that we gave some direction on, but that we didn't regiment. And so, um, depending on the ages of the kids, it varied. It started with, uh, you know, just nighttime prayer. Uh, and, and then it would over as the kids got older, it, it turned into, uh, more of a, um, sharing of prayer requests with one another and praying for one another and then outward facing prayer to those outside of our home. And then once everybody was able to read, we did start going through, we would pick a book of the Bible and um, we would go through it. And we would, at that point, we were probably doing this one night a week because as Mm -hmm. your kids get older, you have lower frequency, but higher depth was kind of the way we looked at it. Um, so we would have one night a week where they were supposed to have read whatever part of the book we were on, and they would come with two questions and um, two observations, and that would form our discussion time at the dinner table. Um, and then just, you know, by that point, once it's become sort of the ecosystem in your home that they've seen Jeff and me having conversations, we've we've introduced conversations with them, whether it's driving in the car or um, just spending time together. Uh, it becomes just part of sort of your family identity and becomes more natural than anything rhythmic. I love that because mm-hmm. it makes it simple, but yet it, I mean, it would be simple to implement that, but then once it becomes part of your culture, it's just, it's a lot easier than um, if you just try to do it every once in a while and that kind of thing. And it, well, and I, I do, yeah, I do think that parents think they have to be an expert before they can have that conversation with right. their kids and right. you, you just don't have to be, you need yeah. to be further along than your kids are, but yeah. Mm -hmm. And somebody I was with a group of women last week and one of the I mentioned that my parents had been in ministry my whole life and my dad's always been on staff at a church and, you know, but that somehow my brothers and I came out unscathed and we all (laughs) love the church and love our family. And, um, you know, which honestly, sadly, is not always the norm. And um, and one woman just asked me, she said, what do you think, you know, made a big difference? And I was like, we spent time together and we were in the word together. And Mm -hmm. I think that those things were so formative in knowing that my parents were approachable, that they weren't experts, but that they, you know, would go ask questions if they didn't know, you know, but just too, that we were spending that kind of time together in conversation. Like, and that's the thing, like when we go on family vacation, like we do a lot, like we don't go places with lots of activities. We go places where we can sit and talk and, (laughs) um, and the in-laws don't really know, like all, now that we're all married, like they don't really know what to do with it because they're like, y'all do talk a lot. And we're like, yeah, (laughs) but, but we enjoy each other's company and there's something really sweet about that. So I love that y'all do that. Um, how has that changed? Like, as your kids are off in school now, you know, as they're, you know, um, growing into adulthood and everything, like, how have you seen some of those things that y'all um, implemented with them as kids now, you know, as obviously, you know, they're still young adults, but like mm-hmm. playing out in their lives as they're growing? Well, it's been so funny because when my kids were, you know, middle school and high school, I, I had something of an online presence, but it was not you know, I don't think it was anything that noteworthy, but now they listen to, uh, knowing faith, they listen to the podcast. And so they're always, you know, the family text thread is full of everyone's opinions on (laughs) whether we did a good job or not, which is just hysterical to me. And then, um, the girls have even, well, actually Matt's doing, uh, one of my studies too. The girls are, um, have started using some of my studies in their, in their small group time Mm. down at school. And so they've always known what I did and they've come, you know, to, to things that I was doing at the church and everything. But um, they basically just want to learn books of the Bible. And I, I got so irritated. Um, they were using one of the studies and they weren't listening to the teaching. They were just oh, using the yeah. workbook. And I was like, the teaching completes the list. <laughs> and they were like, Mom, we're doing it's fine. Leave us alone. It sounds like so, a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so funny. 
Um, but it has been really uh, fun to watch them develop their own habits around it. And um, and then just, the, I mean, our family text thread just cracks me up because, of course, they'll they'll put some quote from the podcast and then it'll just be like, you know, a whole bunch of ridiculous gifs that they add on to it <laughs> yeah. to bring it all to life. But um yeah, it's it's they're just they're at a really fun age. We're really enjoying them, and and it's fun to to share that conversation into adult them. That's awesome, and you know, and I think speaking of things that end up in text threads and with mm-hmm. gifs, you know, I think right now like both online and in person in our world today, you know, we see Christians disagreeing about more and more things, like that we're just you know viewing things differently. We're approaching things differently. And so, you know, and oftentimes what's highlighted are the things that we disagree on, you know, so how, you know, in your, the way that you're processing these things where you are right now, you know, how do we put aside our differences to be on the same team where we're supporting and encouraging one another and our work for the kingdom, you know, as we do that, when it's so easy to highlight our differences? Well, I I really think that we're moving into a stage in our culture where we're going to have to focus on what unites us uh, in a way that we just have taken for granted in the past. We we have we have indulged in the luxury of these um, sort of interdisciplinary squabbles or interdenominational squabbles, whatever you want to call it. Uh, within the church, it's been like, great, let's spend time um, quibbling over secondary or tertiary issues among ourselves um, because we perceived that th- that was where the battle was. And um, the thing that will make the church winsome is um, our unity. That's what the New mm-hmm. Testament speaks of. And and most of us, or many of us, I would say, have lost a sense for what unites us uh, under Orthodox belief. So we've even found um, in what we're doing at the village that we would have people who had come through our membership class who could tell you what our doctrinal distinctives were, but they weren't really clear on what orthodox belief was. Mm. Uh, and so we, we've refocused our efforts on training our people to say, hang on, this is what makes a Christian a Christian. And then these are things that the village church holds to that might distinguish us from another church, even in our denomination or another denomination, Mm -hmm. but they are not things over which we would break fellowship with someone. And we can hold these differences respectfully with one another. Um, And then I think we also need to be training our people in, in the difference between dialogue and monologue. I mean, people are, people are into ranting um, but they're not so much into listening. And, and if we could recover the fine art of being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry among the people of God, I think not only would it help us to restore unity, but it would help our witness. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think the more that we take the time, like you're saying, just to learn and to ask questions mm-hmm. and to, to be slow to speak and um, quick to listen, um, you know, those things I think would be, I'm confident would begin to change and shift. And, um, and it's easy. It's, I think it's funny what used to be things we would never say out loud to people. We end up, people end up saying online right. and all oh, of that, that yeah. just, it gets messy so fast. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, you know, when, at the end of the day, if we were to all to look at each other in the same room and go, hey, we have the same end goal in mind. You know, how can right. we um, help push one another towards um, towards truth and towards the kingdom and um, agree to disagree on some things, but also, you know, champion one another? I think it would begin to, to shift some things. And, you know, and I think we're all prayerful that that would begin to happen more and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I always think, you know, like these people on Twitter who are your brothers and sisters in Christ, right. you may not see them face to face now, but you will be spending eternity yeah. with them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Love mind the way people act with one another out there. Absolutely. <laughs> I know. That's I think crazy. about that often. They they talk about or there's that saying like you'll be surprised at who's in heaven with you or or whatever. And I just think yeah. about that, especially in regards to Twitter and like the people that you may debate all day long, every day that like have something to say about everything that you say. But they're a brother or sister in Christ, and they may, like, you're going to be standing side by side, like you said, um, in heaven, worshiping God. And it's just, um, it is just, it comes back to that whole unity thing. And, I mean, that's what Jesus prayed for us, is that we would be unified. That was the prayer that he prayed for those of us who didn't walk with him on earth, um, is that we would be unified. And to look at where we've taken that is sometimes discouraging but I think I've seen more and more people um, just even recently being willing to say hey I want to hear from what you're saying I want to learn more about why you say this that you say and so that is encouraging and I think the more and more that we grow in sanctification individually and as a whole the more we will be willing to listen and um, like you said be slow to speak and slow to anger. Well, you know what is interesting to me? I don't know if you've observed this trend or not, but I tend to think, and I would actually say that that sociologists would point out that women um, tend to be more collaborative and consensus seeking than men. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed in the Twitter sphere that um, the women who have large platforms are more likely to have dialogue and a, and a, and a friendship with one another, whether they're coming from the same place or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they're willing to pray for one another in times of difficulty, whether they share all the same views or not. They're willing mm-hmm. to um, interact with one at a social level, whether they share all the same views or not. And I, I, I'm curious if, um, as we see an increase in the voices of women in the places where these dialogues have um, maybe historically mostly been held between men, if we won't see um, more collaboration, because I mean, people will just be like, why would you talk to that person? Because right. we're yeah. used to being divided into this camp or that camp. But I, I, I notice that there seem to be some female voices out there that are doing some good bridge building work that's probably going to be instructive for the health of the church. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. I've seen that increase as well. And yep. it's, it's very encouraging, especially for those of us who work in the women's space, because we're like, let's all just be friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're, yeah. We all have we're on the same team, like Mary Margaret said, mm-hmm. we're, we're all working towards the same goal. Yeah. Um, so as much as that, as much as possible for us to hold hands and do that and run on the same team. Um, that's great as much as we yeah. can do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just I love, too, that you've mentioned several times, like how, um, you know, and obviously through your church, the village um, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, y'all um, do a lot of training and equipping for your um, church members and for people um, there. You know, how how have y'all seen that be effective and helpful in, you know, as you're helping people to understand scripture and understand the church. Like I I feel like a lot of people, you know, a lot of churches, if we look around Mm -hmm. at the scope, training is not at the top of the list. And so how have y'all seen that kind of change your church or your people as a result of really equipping the saints that way? Man, I cannot overstate how, um, 
how culture shifting it is here. Um, we, like many churches, we've held community as a very high value for quite a while. And we are not going to loosen our grip on that. There is a, you know, the well-documented loneliness epidemic in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so we do understand that the church is the family of God and it's a place where community should be held in high regard. But we um, we did not want to hold uh, onto a value of community at the expense of the value of learning. And so we instituted uh, learning environments and they are not just not just the, the kind of learning environment that you might picture. Uh, many of the places in the church that we would characterize as learning environments are, are passive in nature, mm-hmm. where people sit and consume a teaching, um, but there's nothing really required of them in the process. And so we wanted to restore active learning environments to the church where the student is asked to do some work on their own and then there's a small group element to it where they're discussing what they're learning and then they sit under teaching over um, a passage or a doctrine that they have first spent time thinking about on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, Wanted to restore um, a thought level space in the church. Um, it, it, It had seemed that for a while things had devolved to simply feelings level discussions around the text or application driven discussions around a text or a doctrine. And, and I think that in addition to um, biblical illiteracy, which I find to be rampant in, in churches today, there is doctrinal illiteracy as well. And that many um, people are just repeating ideas that they've heard somewhere else with, with very little um, skin in the game, so to speak, with, with regard to the learning process. So um, what we are seeing is uh, a confidence among our people. Like the, the thing that I think I like the best about it is that it doesn't terminate in the classroom. It ends mm-hmm. up um, working its way into families and into the way people are interacting in their workplaces um, and in the way that people are contributing to the life of the church in leadership roles or in volunteer roles. Um, it, it's just so fun to get. I got an email um, just a couple days ago from a mom who said, you have to understand this has completely changed the way that we are interacting with our kids around the Bible, um, what we're doing with family devos. And, and that to me is so exciting to just see that people just come alive under under this this teaching that is not just giving them information, but that is giving them tools to learn on their own. That's awesome. That It just goes, I love that you're saying it goes beyond just sitting in a classroom learning. And I think that would be the goal mm-hmm. for any teacher and, you know, for any church and, um, you know, that, 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 that kind of growth would be the norm. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, if Elizabeth and I often say like, well, our listeners and I, I, you know, and we don't really, we love y'all, but we don't really know who you are. Like if we're real, we're be, you know, on we're working we're on that. We're trying to figure out ways to connect with you better. <laughs> um, you know, but in, in my assumption, I would think that there are probably a lot of women who are really involved in their churches, mm-hmm. um, whether they're on staff or a volunteer in some way. And so I hope that this, you know, that those ideas have been an encouragement to you yeah. and maybe something you can take back and at least ask some questions about. Right. Um, of, you know, how is your church training and equipping, um, you know, your church members, those in your community and um, to grow that way? Because mm-hmm. I, I think you're so right. Like we churches in general have put such a focus on community, which is needed. But there also right. is an, an element of learning. And when I hear my mom and even like my grandparents that used to talk about you know, they used to go to like training union on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights and they were <laughs> yeah. trained and like, it was just yeah. part of the routine. And, you know, and some of that is just, it looks different now. And so, but I think yeah. that those same elements are still really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, what, as we kind of wrap this episode up, mm-hmm. um, you know, what has marked you, Jen? 
Man, this is going to be the most Sunday school answer ever. <laughs> Everybody but, says that. It's I know. so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, it really is the Bible. Mm. Uh, I think that when I realized, um, oh, you guys made me cry on your darn podcast. <laughs> when I realized that the Bible was a book about God, uh, which sounds so obvious, but when I realized that its most important function was to give me a transcendent vision of him. Mm. It just changed everything. Um, it changed the way that I viewed myself. It changed the way that I viewed my relationships. Uh, like so many other people, I viewed any uh, relationship issues that I had with my neighbor to be things that needed to be resolved between me and my neighbor. And it didn't occur to me that the fracture in that relationship was related to some sort of fracture in my relationship with God. Mm. And so seeing the Bible as a, a book that proclaims a transcendent God was uh, the beginning of understanding, oh, until I live in right relationship to him, I should uh, understand that I'm going to have trouble in these other relationships. And that even when I am in right relationship to him, I will still have trouble in those relationships, but I will know better how to seek help. Mm. Um, so yeah, that has, that has definitely marked me. Mm. I love that. I do too. It's so good. I don't have anything to add to it. I'm just, I don't either. Yes. But you know, and I, I, I don't have anything to add, but I will say this to, okay. to say it. Like, thank you, though, for being one who has has let that be mm -hmm. the driving force for which you are now impacting countless lives. Like, and, you know, and letting that be something that you make feel so approachable and teachable as you talk about the word of God. But like even like even hearing you say it, like I got choked up for a second. I was like, I yes. Like and yeah. and so thank you for using that for good and for the glory of God and for his namesake because it's it's making a big difference. Yes. Well, that is very kind of you. I am like most people standing on the shoulders of people who went before me. Yep. So I just, you know, I think about R.C. Sproul and I think about A.W. Tozier. And I think if I could articulate even the smallest fraction of what they taught me. Yeah. Um, gosh, I, I just, you know, to honor that that vision of God would be something to do with your life. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Those are two of my favorites. So. Mm -hmm. Goodness. Well, thank you so much um, yeah. for being our guest on the podcast today. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks for being my friends. <laughs> you are welcome. Yes. You're welcome. And Anytime. I'm sure I'm sure we'll have you back some other time because we have lots of things to ask you. But um, this was just kind of like a, a beginning part of that interview. But yeah, thank you so much for being on here. And um, thank you for writing all those Bible studies. We love we'll, them. We'll let every, all our audience know um, all of those and where to find them. Yeah, so, lifeway.com has all of them. Yes. So, yeah. Um, we'll put links in the show notes. Yep. And just links to how they can connect with you online so you can see more about your kids and your pug on Instagram <laughs> and more interesting things on Twitter and just wherever it is that they want to connect. But thank you again for being here. And um, we will see you guys next time on the Mark Podcast. We hope that you guys have enjoyed this episode with Jen Wilkin. As you can tell, she's one of our favorite people. We love and, her. Um, we, and just like we said, we really are looking forward to more episodes with her. Um, but we want to make sure that you guys know about her Bible studies that are available at LifeWay.com. Um, mm -hmm. The two most recent of those are God of Creation and God of Covenant, which is a two, it's two different Bible studies mm -hmm. um, covering the book of Genesis. Yes. 
And Elizabeth, what would you want to tell us about these studies? So God of Creation covers uh, Genesis 1 through 11, and then God of Covenant covers Genesis 12 through 50. You don't have to do them in order. You don't have to do both of them. You can do either one. Um, I would recommend you do both of them and do them in order, but you don't have to do that. You can definitely pick up God of Covenant and do that one first. But all of these stories are probably stories that you're familiar with. They're the stories of creation, of Noah, of Abraham, of Jacob, of Joseph. And so we've heard these stories a million times, but this may be a way for you to go verse by verse in Genesis and just study more in depth and hear about some of the women in the Bible, Mm -hmm. hear about some of the other maybe lesser known people that also um, reveal how God is the God of creation and he's the God of covenants. He's going to keep his promises. Awesome. Well, we will link to both of those as well as her other studies on First Peter, Sermon on the Mount, um, just all kinds of good yeah. stuff from Jen Wilkin. Um, and those are available either you can click through um, if you're in the iTunes podcast app or Apple podcast app. Um, you can click through to it. If not, you can visit lifewaywomen.com forward slash podcast. You can find all the details there. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mary Margaret C and at ED Hyman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Life by Women on all social media channels at Life by Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at lifebywomen.com forward slash podcast. And if you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the show. We will see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for teen girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.